Hello and welcome to the second episode of the Bucket List Gamers DLC podcast, exclusively for our patrons for an unspecified amount of time before we move it over onto Spotify. So if you are listening on Patreon, thank you very much. If you listen on Spotify, well, you know what we think of you already. I'm joined by my co-host, Eddie. Hello. And although we've got loads of really good ideas for our um, DLC episodes, they all involve having guests on the show, and we couldn't line any of them up for today. So we've thought on our feet quite quickly and decided we're going to talk about Nintendo's last three generations of console. So the Wii, the Wii U, and the Switch. Very, very different experiences with all three of those consoles, I think most people will have had. So, should we set a bit of background leading up to the Wii before we actually talk about it? So, Nintendo's console before the Wii was the GameCube, yep. which was middling success, I think it would be fair to say, in comparison to the SNES and the N64 before it. Yeah, definitely. It was a, um, it was a polarizing console as a lot of Nintendo's more recent forays into uh, the console industry have been. But yeah, the GameCube was... I loved the GameCube, and mostly because of the pad, because that ergonomic pad is is designed with a gamer's hands in mind. What they did after that, God only knows, and what they did before that with the N64, God only knows, because neither of those are designed to be held by human hands. GameCube, lovely. Everything else, not so good. Well, have you you not got a third hand? Have you not told the N64 controller with? <laughs> no. I've gone back to it recently. We mentioned in the latest episode, which may or may not be out before this, that um, we both managed to get N64 controllers for the Switch, which are rare as rocking our shit but we managed to secure a couple of them. And yeah, going back to it, at the time, I never really thought anything of it. But he's such a weird controller. Like, per game, you have to decide which of the, like, which two of the three prongs you're going to need to hold for that specific game. And, like, I've been playing Mario, uh, Paper Mario, and it's middle and right. But then some games, like, I think the WWE ones, it's most definitely sort of left and right, and you ignore the middle one most of the time and yeah really bizarre design for a a controller i i can only assume they just wanted to give game developers more options because analog pads were like a will it or won't it thing at the time the n64 came out weren't they so it sort of makes sense they stuck that on that middle spike but and it did some things right i really like the z trigger yeah. Like having a trigger where a gun trigger would be really works on a control pad. And I'm surprised you don't see that more like on, on current ones. Like instead of the shoulder buttons, move them round the back. So they're more like actual triggers. But I suppose the elite pad, you get the paddles, which are similar. But yeah, that yeah, I had a couple of things going for it, but just bizarreness. I think they were just going for something unique, weren't they? All the other game pads looked a bit samey. Yeah. And then obviously we do the GameCube. Um, and then we come to the Wii, and yeah, again, they tried something different because they really, really pushed motion sensor tech. And I think it's probably where the rest of the industry got the obsession from because shortly after the Wii came out, every single company, so Xbox, Microsoft, um, and Sony, all went with we have to, ha- we have to incorporate motion sensor tech into it somehow even if it's crowbarred 
into every single console. We have to do this. And it wasn't until you get to like the PS4 and the um, the Xbox One that it sort of borderlines into creepy with the Kinect that always had to be on originally. And it had to <laughs> yeah. monitor you the entire time it was in your living room, which was just weird. See, I was a big... I bought into the Kinect because I had it for 360 um, because I'd played it in Curry's. Curry's had got like a, a demo model set up and I played it and I was like, this is fantastic. I need this in my life. And then bought it and then realised my front room isn't as big as a Curry's. Um, and I had very limited space to actually play it without smacking into a lampshade or a sofa or something else. And then, yeah, it was one of those where you, I paid like 100-odd quid for it and we used it about 10 times. And then every so often it was like, oh, let's get the connect out. And then it would be, oh, I can't be bothered because we've got to move the sofa out of the way. We've got to move the coffee table. It's not worth it for the 10 minutes we're actually going to play it. And I think there was about four good games for the connect on the 360 in its whole lifespan. And none of them were worth rearranging your front room to play. And then when it came for the, the Xbox One and they were like, we're definitely going to make loads of use of it. I was like, yes, back in, all on the connect. And to be fair, some of it was really cool. Like I remember the first day I got my my Xbox One, I registered my pad to me and I registered the spare pad to a friend. And it knew who had got hold of what pad and it linked their profiles to that pad. And I was like, that's really clever that it can do that and it knows who's there with you. And then, yeah, the more you think about it, the more you're like, actually, though, that is also a little bit creepy. And like the always on online aspect of when xbox one i don't think they ever actually did it did they They were talking about always online in the build-up and then they sort of canned it because everyone you know, shit all over it straight away <laughs> yeah it was i think it was one of those a lot of stuff that xbox and microsoft said about the xbox one they immediately redacted based on the audience <laughs> reaction because it was always online you couldn't play pre-owned games because yeah, you had yeah. to like buy a DLC code for it if it was pre-owned because you're a dirty scrub. Sort of thing <laughs> basically was the opinion. You could only buy it first-hand at full price, otherwise you couldn't play the game. And then the I think Sony were on that one as well, weren't they? Oh, yes. Yeah. Sony were on the, the uh, you can't have a second-hand game thing just as sort of frantically. But didn't Sony sort of... I think they were planning always online and then they saw Xbox do it and how badly it went and they were like, we'd never think about doing something like that and just like pulled a proper like swerve on everyone. Yeah, that was an interesting E3 because it was literally the Microsoft presentation was first and literally Microsoft walked onto the stage, sh themselves into a mic and then Sony came on afterwards and went, what a pair of that's what they watched him off stage and went, we'd never do that to you. And they immediately went back and went, fucking redesign it, redesign it. <laughs> oh dear, I remember that time. Because I was like, it was the first console I was going to get on launch. Apart from, I'd, I'd got the 3DS, but I don't count because that was a terrible launch. And I was going to get, yeah, I was going to get the, uh, the Xbox One on launch. And it was deciding where to buy it from, because this is pre-everywhere's going to sell out of it immediately times, where you could actually consider where you wanted to pre-order it from and and actually go out and pre-order it in your own good time, rather than having to have 10 browser windows open on the day that it goes on pre-order and hoping <laughs> to God that one of the sites doesn't crash long enough for you to get one, which was what it was like on the Series X and the, the PS5. But yeah, it was a big decision. I was like, where do I get it from? Which which model do I get? Et cetera, et cetera. And, and when it came, 
it was so annoying because loads of people on forums were like, mine came at 9am and I was like, mine hadn't come yet. And I took a day off work waiting for it to arrive and it came at 4.30 in the afternoon and I was like, <laughs> are you joking? Like, I've lost a full day. But no, it was, um, the connect thing was, yeah, it was a bit of a bit of a creepy one when you actually thought about it. And I, I do like some of the stuff that it could do, but it's that one step further, isn't it? Like a lot of people are skeptical about Alexa and and Google things and and that kind of thing listening in on you but to actually be able to see you as well yeah is like that next level of creepy and why anyone would want to sit and watch you sat there in your underwear playing a game i don't know but there is the possibility <laughs> and it's just a bit weird like we've got a portal you know the facebook portal camera things got them in lockdown so that we could communicate with family a bit better than just speaking on the phone and that's got a little thing that you slide over the camera when you don't want people to be able to see you and it is literally a piece of plastic that slides in front of it but it's enough it's enough to give you peace of mind that like yeah no one could hack into it and start watching you but then i've got security cameras at our house which somebody could quite easily hack into and watch the outside in and the inside because we've got an alarm system that has a camera as well so you're never really safe from someone spying on you anyway so i don't think xbox is the biggest worry that you've got to have but in terms of the wii it was purely a sensor bar wasn't it so it wasn't a camera at least it wasn't it wasn't spying on you it was just looking for where the remote was and and what the remote was doing and i remember being like really intrigued by the Wiimotes when I first when it first came out because my other half bought me a Wii I didn't know she was going to get it me and I was like over the moon when I got it because it was so different to anything else and the games that it released with largely worked with motion controls which I think was where they suckered a lot of people in because Wii Sports works perfectly and then I'd say 80% of other Wii games don't work very well at all yeah, to the point where they had to start introducing other paraphernalia, so like the <laughs> the Wii Fit board and stuff like that. That it's like okay, so we're not. And then they stopped with that, and then they pushed Wiimote Plus. So for extra motion sensitivity, it's like Jesus Christ, Nintendo, just make something that work and works, and make the games work with the controller. You don't need to keep pushing shit at us. I don't think I ever had a game that worked with Wii Motion Plus very well. Like, I got it and I couldn't tell the difference. It's like, Wii Sports Resort needed it, didn't it? But you can't really yeah. tell. And then, was it Skyward Sword needed it for the sword yeah. controls? And again, that was all over the place. Like, <laughs> if you if you Wiimote turned one degree too far to the left, his arm was like spaghetti, just like <laughs> waggling all over the place on the screen. So, yeah, they did. The Wii Motion Plus, I bought two of them, and I don't think I ever got a penny's worth out of use of them. But they were some good. Like I liked the nunchuck idea as well. So it's like when you want to control a game a bit more normally, you can have this D-pad and button, uh, this analog stick and button that sort of sits apart in your hands. So you can you don't have to have your hands clamped together in the middle of your chest. You can just sit back and and sort of got that freedom of movement, which I really liked. And then also that lends itself to like the boxing games and stuff where you've got autonomy over both hands. So yeah, we was it, the success we was. I think it was deserved because oh, yeah. it did something no one else was doing, and it made itself appeal to literally every age range of person, from like ninety odd year olds in nursing homes, like smashing wee bowling to within an inch of its life and becoming experts on it, to like little kids that can that can pick it up and aim it at the screen and stuff. And yeah, then you got the zapper, which 
only really had one good game for it, but it came with it, so you may as well get it anyway. And yeah, for, for what it was and for how weak it was in comparison to the other two consoles out at the time, I think they really made the most of it. And I I think if they had a bit more gatekeeping in what games got released for it, it wouldn't be seen as quite as much of a joke as it is now. Yeah, at the time it was revolutionary um, in how it was viewed. Everyone was like, oh my God. It, it, and rightly so, because it was... You could have it so that it suited multiple uh, abilities and disabilities. So it wasn't you had to have extravagant swings of your sword as Link. You could do it if you wanted to. You could properly bowl if you wanted to and use the Wiimote and slide the ball Mm. along. However, if you learned to just twist your wrist slightly, you still were able to get the spin on the bowling ball. You were still able to just flick your wrist slightly and play tennis, you didn't have to have these overly extravagant motions. And I think with how well it sold, and I'm going to use the phrase gangbusters, which is what it (laughs) sold, um, and I think genuinely Sony and Microsoft looked and went, we've been pushing these cutting-edge graphics, and this thing that can barely run the dishes um, (laughs) is, is literally sat here and it's outperforming us. And it's it's appealing to mass market. It's not just this obsessive compulsive shut in plays Call of Duty from nine in the morning till nine at night, hyped up on energy drinks kind of stereotypical gamer. Grandma was getting involved. Little yeah. little Timmy, your four year old cousin, was getting involved and they were getting the same advantage out of the entire console and the entire experience. So yeah, I think that's why. Everyone just went, we need motion sensor tech now, and we need someone to do something with this now. And it was just crowbarred into everything <laughs> and every console, and it just wasn't done as well as the Wii. So here's a, here's a question for you. Who liked the Wii more than old grannies and little kids and everyone in between? I'll tell you. TV companies. Because they made a killing out oh, of Wii's. Did. Because the amount <laughs> of TVs that got smashed to bits... <laughs> because people were trying to bowl towards them and just let go of the remote and didn't have a wrist strap on, which Nintendo didn't provide at first, did they, I don't think? No. Or the ones that they did provide didn't didn't do the job very well. Because I remember them reissuing for free silicone like bumpers and wrist straps because that yeah. many TVs were getting smashed to bits. And I've still got some of those silicone bumpers, and Jesus, they make the Wii, Ro- the Wii remote look particularly dodgy if you put one of those on it with yeah. a big, big bulbous tip on one end and they did not <laughs> yeah. really thought the design of those things through <laughs> yes it goes from we remote to <laughs> quite easily doesn't it <laughs> but i think sony probably weren't too disappointed in the wii's performance <laughs> because they probably sold thousands of tvs off the back of it as well yeah, uh, and then, but then... They, they made the PlayStation Move, which again looked like two toys. <laughs> <laughs> and then the reflect, because they lit up, they gave everyone in the game hilarious clown noses when it was reflecting <laughs> off the screen. So it's like, really, Sony, this was the best you could come up with. Why, why did you put the light on the end? I mean, I so Sony were sort of cutting edge in it, weren't they? Because they had the eye toy before anyone else. Yeah. Um, and the eye toy was crap good. It's probably how I'd describe it. Like <laughs> yeah. At the time, it was such a novelty that we really enjoyed playing with it. But you look back at it now and it was crap. 
Like it was absolute. Yeah. It's like it literally picks up on any sort of movement. So like any game that requires any sort of precision, if you just stand there with your arms like windscreen wipers going in front of it, you're probably gonna win. The only way they could sort of nuance it is if there was something on the screen that you weren't meant to hit, as well as something you were. But then it was so like unpredictable and not that good at picking you up that you invariably smashed everything out of the way anyway. So, it, but I did I, the one thing I did like about the eye toy is it would take your picture and, unbeknownst to you, put it as the little icon on the memory card. <laughs> so I found a memory card like <laughs> three years ago. <laughs> And it's got a picture of me and all my mates from like, I don't know, like 2004 or something. There's like the little pictures on it. And I was like, this is a moment caught in time here. Yeah? But to go, go back to the Wii, or more, more accurately, it's uh, what followed on from it with the Wii U. So disaster from day one, because people thought it was an attachment for the Wii, which yeah. normally you go, well, I'm thicker people. But when you call it the Wii U and all your marketing material is the gamepad without a picture of the console to go with it, and you've sold a million different peripherals for the Wii anyway, it's obvious people were going to go, oh, the Wii U, they use the screen, and it's just going to be interactive with the, the Wii. Yeah. And and I, I admit, I had no idea what it was. I wasn't particularly up on like gaming news at the time, but I heard all the stuff about Wii U, and I was like, that's a terrible name for it, for a start. And then I was like, what is it? Is it a new bit that goes with it? Is it an expansion? Is it a new console? And I had, I've had, i never had less interest in buying a console as when the Wii U came out because a lot of the games were still coming out on Wii, weren't they, as well? They were like, yeah. Skyward Sword was like a two-generational thing. And it didn't look that much better on the Wii U. So, yeah, it was one of those that I was just like, no, nah, I have no interest in buying this. And I only picked one up in its sort of dying days because they did the Wind Waker Edition one, uh, which is black and it's got all the gold scrolling on it and that kind of thing. And I think I got it for like sub 200 quid. Yeah. Um, and I was like, well, for that, it's worth a punt. And to be honest, I think I watched more YouTube videos on the gamepad than I did play any games on it. That was like the prime because it was before I got an iPad. So I just used to put, when I was washing the pots or something, I'd stick it on the windowsill and put, put like a YouTube video on it. And by the time I'd done the pots, the battery light was blinking and I had to go and put it back on charge. But <laughs> Yeah, it was just error compounding error with it because it was marketed, like you say, so poorly. It literally looked like a peripheral. And then you go, oh, oh, that's, that's fair enough. Well, I'll see what all the fuss is about. Jesus Christ, it's 300 quid. Screw that. And then you don't pay it any more attention and you move on to the next thing. And like you, I bought it when it was when Hyrule Warriors came out. So it was like the Zelda crossover with Dynasty Warriors. And that was like the last six months of the console's life. And I too got the Wind Waker version with the collector's edition version of the Wind Waker game. So I had the DLC, the um, digital download code for Wind Waker already with the console. But then I bought the collector's edition of the game because it came with a statue of Gamondorf. And I was having that. And I bought the collector's edition of Hyrule Warriors just because it was like a big Zelda thing. And I think I got that for about 220 quid. And I was just like, this is insane. It's And it was only about a two-year stint, if that, for the Wii U's lifespan. And it's commercially considered a flop. And Jesus Christ, even the console, the main bit where you put the discs in, looks like a Wii. 
Yeah, just a rounded. There's off no version. difference. Yeah, it's just like rounded on the edges, isn't it? Instead of being like square, and it lays flat instead of standing up, and that is, that is it. And yeah, it, it, they had like a fire sale, didn't they? Towards the end of its yeah. life, they were just like, "We want rid of this console." Everywhere it was like, "We want rid of it," and you were just getting it for silly prices. I mean, I looking back, I think mine might have been even under under a hundred and fifty with another game. And I would just like, it's nice. I like the Wind Waker look to it. Yeah. And I think potentially this version of it might be worth more than the others in the future. So I'll get one. And I don't think I even like, when it came, I don't think I was like, right, I need to get it out and set it up. I think I had it in the box for like a week before I could be bothered to even use it. When has that ever happened with a console? It was just just sat there, I was like, ah, oh, the, the effort I'm going to need to put in to wire it all into the entertainment system is more than I'm going to get out of playing the games at the minute, so it can just sit there in the box. But even after you get past all the marketing issues and the fact it wasn't very well supported with games and all that, the actual console itself, the gamepad thing, is just such a misstep as well, because it, it's heavy. It doesn't last very long on battery power. The screen on it isn't very good. The Wi-Fi in it isn't very good. So it like it has to be connected to the base Wii U console to work. So if you're using it for watching videos, it has to be near enough to it that it can use that as like a Wi-Fi hub rather than having its own. And it's just the gameplay mechanics that got crowbarred into otherwise good games to use that pad ruined a lot of good games. Yeah. I think you were saying, was it a Metroid one where you have to use it to aim? Uh, Star Fox. Star, Star Fox, Fox, that's it. So you fly around using the analog sticks. And the, the the overall pad, you needed monkey arms and hands just to grip <laughs> the sides of the pads without getting wrist injuries. And yeah, so you stayed around on your main screen with the thumbsticks and then your little tiny shitty screen in front of you, you could lift up the pad if you had the bicep strength. Um, and manually sort of aim it around in free space in front of you to try and aim your lasers and it's like how have you gone from a console like the wii u that was suitable for all ages and suitable for all abilities to something that only people that can bench press 80 kilos plus can manage <laughs> to wield it's just bizarre and if you if you're playing any game that's got longevity to it so if you play mini games on it you could probably just about get away with it. I know there were some that were, I think it, they were like one versus all games, weren't they? So one person is on the gamepad and they have to hide and the other three have to find them. And the person on the gamepad has more vision than the others or like a map and see where everyone is. So there was those types of things that worked really well. And I think it came bundled with it, didn't it? It was that Nintendo, it was like a fair, I can't remember what it was called, but there was like a Zelda yeah. game and, and like all the different Carnival? IPs. Carnival, something like that. I think there was, was there like a Pikmin one and there was a Zelda one. Yeah. And you went around all the little games in Donkey Kong one and you played them for like five minutes. And that was fine because you could stand to hold the thing for five minutes before handing it off to someone else and you became one of the many and they became the one. But to play a game like Zelda where you're going to be on it for like four or five hours, for a start, the battery wouldn't last that long. So you'd have to tether yourself to a plug and invariably it ran the battery down faster than it would charge the battery because you were using it. So you couldn't even just plug yourself in and carry on playing a lot of the time. You had to literally pause, plug it in, go away for an hour, 
come back and then carry on playing. But also, your arms just couldn't take it because you're holding this lump of a pad. I mean, if you even iPads these days that are fairly light, imagine trying to watch a film where you're physically holding it in front of your face for the entire runtime of the film, your arms just aren't going to be able to take it. And that's what it was like with this gamepad. So you couldn't really enjoy long stint games because your arms are given or the battery given. It was a race to see which one happened first. Yeah, and the other gimmick with it was obviously you could change channel on your television. So if someone came in and went, oh, I'm not watching you play Zelda for the next four hours, play it on your gamepad. I'm putting Love Island on or whatever. Switched it (laughs) over on you. And you could convert it to just handheld mode, which again, why? When you haven't got a battery life that can outlive three hours, <laughs> why would you make it a handheld as well? I mean, it was it was almost like, nice little segue, a prototype for the Switch, wasn't it? It was like, yeah. can we get away with this where it's you can play it on the screen or you can play it on the little screen and it does both. And then they came out with the Switch, which, as the name suggests is all designed around switching it from handheld to screen to handheld. So you're playing it on your handheld. All right, it's time to play it on a screen. Dock it, snap the remote things off, and you can carry on on your TV. And then, all right, I'm back. I'm off back to my bedroom, whatever. Snap them back in, unplug it, and it just goes back to the little screen. Works a million times better because they've ironed all the kinks out. The battery actually lasts a long time. The screen's very decent, especially if you've got an OLED. The screen is amazing. And it just, the Switch feels like what they wanted to do with the Wii U. But somebody came up to them and went, you need a console in between. We, we Everyone's getting sick of the Wii. Yeah. You need to release something now. And that's how it felt to me, is they were like, well, we've got this prototype for something we're coming up with. Just stick a U on the end of Wii and we'll bang that out for a couple of years. Yeah, it feels like they felt like they had to compete. So everyone else had moved on a generation and I think they thought, uh, we we need to come up with something quick. Alan. We're we're famous for gimmicks. Someone and they sort of brainstormed the room, and someone went a pad that's a tablet, and they went brilliant. We haven't got the practicality <laughs> or the ability to make something like that, but we'll give it a go. And I I don't know. There's a sneaky part of me in the back of my head that thinks that at some point someone in some development meeting put their hand up and went should we call this new console the Switch? And then someone just went, yeah, that's a really good... Wait, no, that's a really f***ing stupid idea. They'll just associate it with the Wii and the Wii U. We don't want that anymore. We want to be seen as competent game designers again. But yeah, to come onto the Switch, superior in every way, I think, to to the Wii U and probably to the Wii. It doesn't have that gimmick that makes it accessible to all, but it's just everything about it has been done well this time apart from controller drift yeah which on the joy cons the joy the joy cons aren't my favorite way of controlling it i don't use them very often i've got a a switch pro controller and i've got that in 64 controller and i don't like the analog sticks on the joy cons even when they are working properly i don't think they're particularly good analog sticks they're all right for like if four of you turn them sideways and you play Mario Party yeah. or something like that, or Mario Kart, yeah, fair enough. But to play like a precision game with those analog sticks, I just don't get on with them. I don't think they're, they're particularly good. So I'd rather use even the external pads, the ones that look like GameCube pads that they released. 
got a couple of those as well, and and I'd rather use them. But other than that, everything about the Switch, the the backwards compatibility on the game library, the amount of games they've brought out for it, it's slightly annoying that they always seem to be more expensive because it's cartridge based. But yeah. I tend to only buy games for it that are only available on the Switch, so I don't see that difference in price. I'd always buy like a more a multi-platform game on my Xbox or PlayStation anyway. So I've, I've got it particularly for the Nintendo exclusives and the like games that play well handheld. So like the more retro games and for what I want it for, it's perfect. And I've had the original Switch, I got that on launch and then I got an OLED Switch about a year ago. It's still my least used console and I don't know why. It's just I never think to turn that on in front of like my Xbox. But when a game comes out for it that I'm interested in, then it takes precedence. Or if I go on holiday, it comes with me. And I think that's what that's the, the beauty of it. Like the soldier in the advert, you can take it with you anywhere and you can, if you've got a HDMI out cable that converts, you can plug it into a TV wherever you are as well and just start using it from there. The the only thing I will say about um, Nintendo is they don't ever seem to make something that is fully competent. And it, it's probably a bit harsh and a bit churlish, but like you say with the controller drift, that is a massive design oversight. The original Switches obviously had to be slightly redesigned because when you docked them constantly, it ended up scratching the screen. They put the charging port on the underside of a console that has a kickstand. <laughs> yeah. Why, Nintendo? Unless I've got a drill to drill a hole in the table that I'm <laughs> leaning it on. Why would you do that? And yeah, they go from two or, th- well, three if you include the GameCube, but it was weird tiny discs. So they go from disc back to the more expensive cartridge. And it's like, Come on, can we not just do a console that is disc, HD, doesn't have bullshit controllers, and can has all the other paraphernalia that you want to go with it, so it can dock, it can undock, whatever. Lovely. But can you make it for a cheaper medium? The cartridge decision was probably because if you've got it handheld, they would have had to have invested a lot in stopping the disc skipping. Yeah. But then the, the PSP did it. And they were discs, but they were in plastic casing, weren't they? So they could have done it if they'd have wanted to. But I don't mind the cartridges. I think they're natty and they, they don't take up too much space as well. So I've got all my games in a little holder on a shelf and it takes up next to no space, whereas all my Xbox ones take up a full drawer just because they're all in boxes. And I could stick them all in a wallet thing, but I just I just like the cartridges. But yeah, they do make everything more expensive. The main issue I have with the, the Switch is how expensive the docks are to get on their own. Because Nintendo don't sell them. So like, why they don't sell spare docks? Because the whole point of it is that you can pick it up and take it somewhere else. So I wanted a dock in two different rooms. So like, if I'm playing it in one room and I want to go and play it in the other, I just take it out of one dock and put it in the other one. But Nintendo don't sell spare docks. So, like, I'd either have to get a third-party one, which are known for bricking the Switches, or I had to do what I ended up doing, and I bought a Pokemon one that came bundled with the Pokemon Switch off someone on eBay who didn't want it anymore. So I've now got them, and then when I bought the OLED one, I got a dock with that. So I've got three docks now scattered around the house. So I can pretty much go and and play it wherever I want. But, yeah, why they do that? And, like, the power plugs are, like, 40-odd quid, I think, if you want an official Nintendo one, for a plug. 
And it's like it, people moaned when PS like three controllers were forty quid, and that's a controller that you actually get some use out of. This is literally a plug, and they want forty quid for it. And I've bought one because I don't want to brick my switches by using a third party one. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if Nintendo didn't put those stories about them being bricked out there to get people yeah. to buy official stuff because I can't understand why a, a generic plug would cause it to happen, but a Nintendo one doesn't. But no, other than that gripe, I do I do really like the Switch. I think the only sort of weird marketing thing they've done with the Switch is when they did the Switch lights. Yeah. Which, by their very nature, don't switch. Yeah. So why call them Switches? Like, it's handheld only. So, yeah, I didn't really get that one. No. I think they were about 50 quid cheaper with it. That was the only, like, selling point for them. But when you consider how much functionality you lose for the 50 quid... And you can't play some games. Can you not? Are they not as powerful? No, there there are certain games that aren't compatible with them, so you just can't play them on them. I suppose you wouldn't be able to play, like, Mario Party on it, would you? Because no. you, you can't play that, like, undocked. Yeah, I didn't think about that. So, yeah, even more baffling of a decision to do that. But I think they sold quite well, didn't they? Like, the Switch lights. Well, I have one. Um, so I've got a, I've got a two switches, and I've got a switch light, um, which is the Diamond and Pearl uh, remake one. So it's got the Pokemon graphics on the back of it. Um, and I, my original switch died, and I was like, I don't want. I already have another switch, but it's my other offs. So I was just yeah. like, oh, I don't really want to constantly have to be like can i ever go now can i ever go now so i'll just <laughs> get a cheaper handheld version um so yeah. for the pokemon one um but yeah so that's how that happened see that sort of makes sense because it's a special edition as well i'm guessing if they hadn't yeah. done a pokemon one you probably wouldn't have considered it and just got a no. regular switch but yeah they've, they've got you with the special edition one i assume it sold well because parents were buying it for kids like to yeah go and play with this and keep quiet i don't want to buy a full yeah. blast one just go and play with this handheld only one that you've no chance of taking over the TV with. Uh, but, but yeah, the the Switch has been a bit of a renaissance for Nintendo on it, and I hope that they carry it on. They they seem to be content with we're never going to be the most powerful console. Yeah. So we're just going to focus on our own IPs, and we're going to focus on being the fun one, even if we're not the best one. And I think that's all you need, as long as you've yeah. got good games on a console that doesn't require CPR, like things like the 360 when you used to get the Red Ring of Death and stuff like that, and you've got a decent first set of first-party IP games, your fan base will always buy into it. Um, because that's that's the only reason Nintendo sells well, because it's they're good for kids, and the existing fan base of Nintendo fans are like, new Metroid game, I'm there. New Zelda game, I'm there. New Mario game, don't care how much it costs, just, just in my face now. So you're, they're always going to sell well. It's when they try and entice third party in and they yeah. over, either overcharge or they the third party tries to make a game that fits the hardware and it, it just usually ends up a complete heap of shit. Yeah, I mean... Nintendo, they're, they're pushing the look of it recently, I have to say, with the, with the golf and then the football ones being so bare bones. And we, we not Wii Sports, Switch Sports or whatever it was called, the thing where they released an unfinished mess again. Yeah. And it's like I, they're, they're losing a little bit of 
sort of sway with me when they do stuff like that because I won't be pre-ordering any games that I'm not 100% sure about anymore because I did it with Mario Strikers, I did it with Switch Sports and they were both garbage when they came out and I've, I know they've released updates for them but I've not been back to them because I'm like, no, I'm soured on the experience now and I, I probably will but I wish they'd just go back to going, this game's going to take another six months but it's going to be all there. Yeah. Not here's like half a game for 40 quid and we might bother putting some more stuff out for it soon but just play with what you've got for now because in the world we live in now you don't have to settle for that there's so many game library services on xbox playstation even switch with the stuff that you get for having the switch pass thing you don't have to play a subpar game anymore you can just go and find another one that doesn't even cost you any money if you subscribe to one of these services so they can't get away with it for much longer and they've obviously not done that with tears of the kingdom and they didn't do it with mario odyssey and i'm just hoping that at least the mainline titles get the full work that they deserve. Same for Pokemon. I think they put a lot of effort into those, don't they? And it's just, it seems to be the spin-off games. Like, oh, we've not got a game coming out for a few months. Quick, chuck a cash grab out. And then once we finish developing something else, we might do a bit more work on it. And it just, it sours me a bit to it. But I don't want to leave this episode on, on a sour note because the Switch is a great console and I have had a lot of fun out of it for not a lot of money they're not for what you get they're not overly expensive are they even the oleds not particularly badly priced now no it's about 300 quid now so yeah and there are still plenty of tears of the kingdom versions still up for sale because i do keep my eye on those because it's like oh it's another collector's <laughs> edition one uh do i fork out for it and have a fourth switch console it'll be an oled and it'll but it'll be a zelda version and yeah with what you said with like spin-off games to so the Mario Strikers and things like that, Pokemon Snap for the Switch is an utterly stunning game and they it wasn't a cash grab because it was they've they've only had one previous title in the series anyway, and it was a bit yeah. of a an outlier, a bit of a, an oddball for the Pokemon series, but again, really popular. And they've released two DLC packs for it that were like full level expansions and they did it for free. Yeah. And it's like, that is done with passion, and that's done for the benefit of the fans, not because some shareholder wants to wax his Lamborghini this month. (laughs) Uh, So, yeah, I think if Nintendo keeps going the way they are going with their first-party IPs, or their mainline first-party IPs, I think that we'll see, when we get to the end of this console generation, another step on for them, and we'll end up with something as spectacular as the switch was yeah just completely before we call it a little bit of a tangent because you've just mentioned the tears of the kingdom special edition switches i know we talked a bit back about bethesda's latest game which is star starfield starfield that's it i always want to call it something else so they've got a special edition which i believe is still available at game at the minute and i've been looking at it religiously and going no i can't do it no i can't do it but I really want to do it, but no, I can't. So I wondered what your thoughts on that were. So it's 250 quid, and you get a little plastic carrying case, a patch to sew onto something. The game in a steelbook, which I'm not usually won over by steelbooks, but it looks really nice. And a smartwatch, like a fully themed smartwatch. And I'm, I'm like, it's one of those things. If If this series of games takes off like Fallout and Skyrim does, that thing will be worth a fortune. But if it flops, like I think it 
probably is going to, or not as good as people expect it to be, that thing will be about 40 quid in about three months' time. And I just can't decide which side of that knife blade it's going to fall on. Well, to put it in context, the Hogwarts Legacy Collector's Edition is still available. And that is, again, quite a pretty collector's edition. I've not heard a bad word said about it, really. It is, you get like a wand that floats on top of a, a, a an mm. open book. It looks really good. You get a steel book, you get DLC codes and stuff like that. And that's still available and that's still full price. I realise it's only a recent release, but you'd think it would have a downturn at some point. Well, it sold out, didn't it, when it first came out? Because I couldn't get that yeah. when I was looking to buy it. So they must have found more stock now, I assume, or made more of them. Yes. So yes, that's still available. But as far as I am concerned, Bethesda, after Fallout 76 and the abomination that that was (laughs) that collector's edition, can kiss my ass (laughs) if they think I'm spending 250 quid on a punt of a game. Based on Fallout 76, when it comes, the watch will be one of those little candy ones with the little things that you bite and ping off at people on a little bit of elastic. (laughs) They've pushed you a smartwatch and then you've got like a little sweet watch thing. with, And the the plastic box that it comes in will smell like dead rabbits or something. You know, just <laughs> really, really salt into the wound and it'll be made of plastic that was grafted out of children's tears and stuff like that. It'll... Oh, and we've got, we've got millions of these Hessian bags left over from Fallout 76, so we've chucked you one of them in as well because no one wanted one. Yeah. But no, I, d- I don't know. I'm, I am tempted, but I've I've been stung by collector's editions before. Like when, when the WWE games were at their worst, I bought a collector's edition that was 200 quid, and I'm not even lying. Three or four months later, it was 20 quid on game for exactly the same thing. And it had like a piece of the ring in it from like when... I think it was when Hulk Hogan came back or something. So it was worth 20 quid of anyone's money, but the game was that bad. I just <laughs> couldn't get rid of them. And it's like, I've been done by that before, so I don't want to be done by this. So I think what I'm going to do is leave it and hope it drops. But I've got a feeling, knowing my luck, it'll be selling on eBay for like thousands of pounds in a few months because everyone absolutely loves this game. And just one last thing to mention about that game before we call it. You know, we talked about the, the guy in... Uh, Skyrim, uh, not Skyrim, Oblivion. That if you win the arena, he follows you around like your world's biggest fan. Yeah, he's in the new game. Yes, like the same bloke. He's got the same <laughs> voice, the same character model, and he he keeps coming up to you and saying he's like your biggest fan and stuff like that. <laughs> Fair enough. And uh, I didn't realize you, he was such a, such like a fan favorite character, <laughs> but <laughs> evidently he is. Uh, brilliant. So I thought that was quite funny, but no, it looks like it could be decent. I just, I don't know. I don't, I don't, trust I don't know if it, is it too close to Fallout is my question. And like, we've already had Outer Worlds, which was essentially this. And the other one, the one that um, flopped originally, but now is quite good. Oh, No Man's Sky. No Man's Sky, which again, it looks pretty much identical to just with Bethesda's level graphics. Yeah. And characters that shoot off into the ceiling and sink into the floor and exactly. God knows what else. Jesus Christ, they can't they can't do a map that's like forty kilometers across. Jesus Christ, what are they gonna do when you've got infinite amounts of space to fly through? I mean warping through the hearts of suns. But I will say this, it's already installed on my Xbox because it's on Game Pass day one. Oh right. So if okay. you don't want to spend any money on it, buy a fifteen quid one month game pass the month it comes out and give it a go first. Yeah. 
Um, well, I say, say 15 quid. You can get them for about four quid if you know where to look for a month's Game Pass. So do that. Don't don't spend 250 quid on it. <laughs> Give it a go on Game Pass first. Yeah. Right. I think we've uh, we've said enough. We've, we've treated our patrons there. We have. I think to a, a lovely little episode. Whether we said anything interesting remains to be seen. <laughs> but... Uh, at least yeah. we've done some content. I, fe- I felt a bit guilty we'd not done some content for him for quite a while. So here you go. We've got other bonus episodes planned, as I said before, just to give you a little idea of what it is. So we've got an episode planned on mobile and Facebook gaming. If you remember, Facebook gaming was a thing for a while. Uh, not so much anymore. So we- we're going to discuss that. But we do have a guest lined up for that. It's just getting the right time for it. And the other, um, sorry, I was just completely distracted by his camera there. I don't know if his lights have gone off or what, but all I can see is his glasses reflecting in the dark and it's a bit creepy. It's like he's turning into the connect. (laughs) Sorry. But yeah, the the other um, one we're going to do is we're going to do a special, hopefully, on card rating. So with Eddie having his... uh, his vast collection of Pokemon and Yu-Gi-Oh cards. While I was at UKG the other week, I met a company who does card ratings and they they said they'd be kind enough to come on and, and talk to us about how they rate cards and what criteria they look for. And may not be interesting to gaming fans such as yourselves, but if you're interested in Pokemon, chances are you're interested in Pokemon cards. So we, we were thinking about doing an episode on that as well once we can get it lined up. So... We've got a few ideas for you, so don't unsubscribe just yet, uh, <laughs> because we, we need the money and we've got some stuff coming up for you. But yeah, if you are one of our patrons, thank you very much. Hope you've enjoyed listening to this episode. If you're listening to it on Spotify, that means I've pulled my finger out and bothered to edit all the swearing out of it. Uh, so we hope you enjoyed it as well, and consider if you want to hear these at least a month early. And sometimes a lot longer, if I can't be bothered to edit all the swearing out of them. Come and join us on Patreon. Uh, anything above, anything Bucket Kicker tier or above gets the special episodes early. So subscribe to one of those and you'll be able to listen to this much earlier than you normally would. Uh, but if you just want to support us and you don't want to give that much, you can always join the couple of coins, which just helps us keep going. And we appreciate that as well. But yeah, I think that ends off this uh, DLC episode. So I will say that's goodbye from me. And it's goodbye from me.